It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. Stevie MacDonald is back on the football show. Welcome back, Stevie. Great to be back, lads. You're old reliable. <laughs> I don't know about that. Certainly not with predictions anyway. Matty Ford is in here now, so like I mean he doesn't have your all Irelands. He corner But, he, but corner he's not a fo- bad replacement. He's not a bad replacement. <laughs> share, you're sharing the Thursday and you're good mates according your mates according yeah, to yeah. Well I was Matty down Ford. actually at an event for him there two two to three weeks ago in yeah. Maxford it was a this is your life event. Over seven hundred people, so what a night. Yeah, very good. Any interest in getting one of them in Armagh have you missed the boat? <laughs> Probably missed the boat. <laughs> The Kalevi goalkeeper, you could still do one in Kalevi there, no? I'll still be playing for the next few years, maybe, you know. There you go. I was I got a text this morning from the yeah. intermediate manager, you are right for the league this year, so I'm back in the mix anyways. <laughs> back yeah. in the mix, pull the hamstring after 30 <laughs> seconds again. And I've been on a serious gym programme. Uh, you're looking fix, good, you're looking good. To fix my legs, because my legs got so weak after seven years of not doing anything. Now, I always pulled hamstrings, but they were particularly bad last year and the year before. So now I've got strong le- I have muscles in my legs which I've never had but before. But nothing whatsoever got to do with the fact that you're 41. I'm hitting the intermediate grade hard <laughs> this year. That's all you need to know. That's all. I'm out running in Strably Woods 6k every Saturday morning. Oh, with yeah. my gra- well, every Saturday morning I'm out doing seven and a half every two days. Every two days. Well, yeah. I'm in the gym three days a week now. The Masters football, which I'm training for as well, not just Portlaoise Intermediate. The Masters football, Leash are putting in a team this year. Do our man not put a team? No, He'd have I, a good I team. I don't think so. Throne always have a really good team up north anyway. I don't. That's over 40s, is it? Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to. 
um, playing that there just yet, you know? <laughs> Under <laughs> the you, bar. But would you not get a team? Sure, you'd have a re- you'd have a strong team. Although you'd see, the, here's the thing, right? And I, I ha- this every master- county at, at that level would have a strong team. This Masters has not on my list here, but I'm going to I'm going to just talk about this for a second. So Dublin. Right, won it last year. Dublin are back training already. They're taking this very seriously. But you look through Dublin's team. There's very few players on it that you'll go, oh, there you are, brilliant player for Dublin, brilliant player. These lads are triathlon runners and they're lads that are flying fit at 40. Yeah. And I don't think that's fair. Yeah, this but you're, be you're, past you're, saying, you're, you're that, saying that we would like, be a great team based have, on what? You based on the, yeah. the likes of the McIntyres exactly. coming back. But they don't. They haven't run since they quit playing football, so they well, wouldn't fit it. the move. Well, the McIntyres do a lot of cycling. They do the uh, bit of cycling, but no running. Yeah, cycling and running two di- totally different. I things. know two different things. Altogether. I remember. But do you take? Do you remember that Saturday morning cycle that the left for dust? I do. Yeah, I do. We did. We did a charity cycle up in Belfast for up for life for Joe Brawley. That's right, and. You, you were flying it. You were well able to do it. Aye, but the funniest thing about that morning was it was, what, 100 mile or whatever we were doing yeah. or something similar to My 100 mile. My arse for the next week was killing His him. arse was killing him because he wore a pair of Everton shorts and no, nothing else. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Anyways, listen, this is our nonsense He was standing here. up cycling for about half of the journey. Yeah, well, listen, can I just say that Dublin Masters, I think they're kind of cheating by picking flying fit club players that have never really played every, for Dublin every county can do that yeah. no it's not that's why Leash are going for you flying fit you're right running every Fla- Saturday morning <laughs> well, I'm an, I'm an ex-Leash legend here no I'm not a legend but I'm an ex-Inter <laughs> at least I've played in you're Coke a Park for Leash you're a legend <laughs> ok right we're going to talk about some motions for Congress here um, so the big one here is that Donegal have put in the motion that says counties who qualify for the football inter-county quarter-final group stage shall not be permitted to nominate Croke Park as their home venue. So there you go. It needs 60% of the vote. If this doesn't receive 60% of the vote, I've lost all... I already have lost a lot of time for Congress or, or trust in Congress. This is delegates from every county going to vote it's be like the turkeys voting for Christmas if they vote for Dublin they, this is obvious they've done this before Leinster counties have done this voted for Dublin to stay in Croke Parks this will be what's delegates uh, motivation for going to Congress is it their teams or their counties chances on the field or is it a promise of money filtering down so we're going to have a situation if Dublin can't play their home game in Croke Park which they absolutely shouldn't be and next year there should be a motion goes in to to ban them from uh, playing their league games there because we talked about that on Monday they're not even attractive anymore they're shite like I mean there's no big crowd at them and it gives Dublin an unfair advantage by practising in the National Stadium when the National Stadium is for everybody not for Dublin so Dublin are going to have a big decision to make here. So their home game, if this goes through, now it has to go through, lads. It just simply well, has to, or else does it? Well, I think Congress should be done away with if this doesn't get through. No, but seriously, <laughs> what like would the G- get well, rid of well, Congress? Well, the, GP, the GPA should absolutely <clears throat> strike about that because it's very obvious then delegates' motivations, and it's not it's not a, the playing side of things and that's what the GPA are supposed to protect uh, protect their members Paul this, Flynn going to strike Paul Flynn <laughs> might not really want to strike but anyways so now Dublin have a big decision to make then do they go to Parnell Park with 10,000 or do they go to a Moore Park O'Connor Park Turles or wherever they want to play their home ground and get 30-40 but go you know go on the road I think Jim Gavin will pick Parnell Park it's yeah. their home ground it's just going to be a Which huge Which is the biggest stadium outside of um, Croke Park and Leinster is it Nolan Park and Nolan Kigan? Park would be the next big one yeah. that's another option for them yeah that, ha- that have uh, I think it's maybe 40,000 35,000 yeah. Park have a great, great atmosphere O'Connor Park and, and Moore Park are two really nice stadiums as well it would be in the 20s 
20s. So, like, I mean, this is a decision Dublin have to make, but what's your thoughts on this, lads? It has to happen, right? Well, go on ahead. No, I was going to say, but like, it shouldn't really like be that big a deal for them to do Parnell Park because that will be their second or third game anyway. So it'll be a crew Park no, first. No, it's going to be their first game because the provincial champions get their first home game first now this year. You're right, Willie. Yes, I am right. right. So, Stevie, yes, go right. ahead. <laughs> so Dublin's definitely going to win Lancaster anyway. We, we're 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 predicting that. Yeah. Okay. My thing like is just like they will have a chance and like not not really. You made a good point before when I said about this like about the opportunity for more people to go see them, and you were saying, well, that happens in sports. You don't get to go see every game. There's quarter million people want to go watch United every weekend, and they don't get to do it. But they will still have that chance in the, in the Super Rates. They'll have the game at Crew Park where there's eighty thousand seats there, and there'll be seventy odd thousand for yeah. Dublin fans to go along to. And they, they didn't fill it last year for the Super Rates, so no. they will have that chance to go see them for one of the Super 8 games then for the semi-finals then unfortunately for the final as well yeah you'd, you'd imagine a Congress this should sail through with 90% of the vote well, like if, if the G, if, if Congress is be, or if Congress works the way you'd imagine it should this should go through with a record amount of votes well right? you think so I'm a wee bit on the fence with it because you know when you think back as a player you want to be playing in Croke Park you want to be playing the best teams in Croke Park Dublin have the monopoly now, of course, because they're the best team in, in the country. And, you know, they have the unfair advantage of playing the, the fair share of their games in Croke Park. OK, I can see the uh, an argument for both sides. On the, the opposite end of, of the scale, you know, my own county, we've got a brilliant stadium in Armagh, you know, so... We could pack that out, no problem. If the, if we happened to be fortunate enough to get to the Super 8s and, and we're lucky enough to get playing against Dublin, you know, so counties with brilliant stadiums that generate brilliant atmospheres should be absolutely voting against it. Absolutely voting against it because, you know, it's an opportunity for them to get the best team into their own county, into their own ground, pack it out, fill it out, generate a massive no, atmosphere. They'll have that anyway. Yeah. Like Dublin went to Oma and Tyrone. They'll yeah, have, they'll they, have they, that. They will have that. But that's what I'm saying. The county should be looking from that point of view, right? We have a this great is the opportunity. Away game we're yeah, talking the, about the here. away game, but we have an opportunity here to to get Dublin possibly playing their away game in in our own stadium. So how massive would that be for us as a county? No, but I'm saying that's already happening. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's that's irrelevant, really. I, I understand that. There, I know that, but you know. It does give other counties a chance to play it, right? You go on then to Parnell Park. I played Dublin in Parnell Park. I've played Dublin in league games and qualifier games in Croke Park. Which would I prefer to play them in? I prefer to play them in Croke Park, personally. You know, Donegal are bringing this motion uh, forward. Donegal were the last team to play, play or beat uh, Dublin in the championship. You know, I understand why they want to get them out of there. I understand, you know, to, to make it more of a level playing field for everyone. Uh, in terms of you know getting Dublin out, playing them in maybe a tighter field, and having a better opportunity of of coming close to them, uh, at it's least. Not even that. It's that everybody has the e- an equal opportunity and has an equal are on an equal footing. That's yeah. it. This is just uh, for the uh, the absolute integrity of the competition yeah. that but one team doesn't have an a, an, a, an advantage over the other. Exactly. It's not, right. it's not your, what your personal opinion might necessarily. This be. wouldn't be an argument, or this wouldn't be brought forward if Dublin have not had not won the last four All Ireland. Maybe over. not. And it, that's, it definitely I'd, it definitely wouldn't. And be. I'd say fair enough. I'd say that's that. But again, I would say that's irrelevant as well because yeah. they have won them. Yeah. And they're now playing all their league games there. When you played Dublin, they didn't play all their league. 
games there. Who's to say in well, that? We o- played Dublin in the league game in Crook Park in two thousand and three. In two thousand and three, but they didn't play all their league games there. They might. I don't. I don't no, remember no, that exactly. No, I, I, I agree. So they say, didn't say play for, them all. Say there. for example, in two thousand and what was the year they missed the free against you? Cosgrove. Two thousand and two. Two thousand and two. So at that time, say that Dublin were playing all their league games there. Do you not think that that Dublin team, which came out of nowhere in two thousand and two, and hadn't won a Leinster in a long few years do you not think if they played all their league games in Croke Park they would have had definitely an advantage in playing in Croke Park that day and that result might have been different quite possibly quite possibly so, but so that's the answer listen I have as, as I mentioned earlier on I have played them in league games in Croke Park and in Parnell Park I would personally personally prefer to play them in Croke Park yeah. but Parnell Park certainly evens things up um, a wee bit better for, for the, their opponents Okay, right. So number two then ha- is the the motion that yeah. is going to allow Central Council have the power to allow soccer and rugby games be played at all inter-county grounds. So right now Central Council has the authority um, for to allow foreign games only at Croke Park. So this is in response to the Liam Miller thing and it seems to be a no-brainer for me. Now whether Congress delegates who like their bit of power will say, well, we'd like to vote on this. This is our in our interest. I wouldn't be as sure of that one getting through because it's them basically... It's Congress delegates basically giving power away to Central Council. So I'm not sure whether they like that, but at least it's gone to Congress, at least anyway, so that it would just save that kind of mess that happened. Like, we don't want to open the gates to all sorts of bloody games in GEA grounds. I don't want that. I don't think anybody wants that. But (coughs) a a once-off, like Lee Miller testimonial, it it was a no-brainer for me just to go through there. I won't spend too much time talking on that because another one is... Um, there's a motion gone through for the GA to relax their bans on training weekends during certain per- during certain parts of the season. Um, so it's going. The motion is going to to allow for permission to be sought in advance from the CCCC. So this is we know John Sugru got caught leashed. The Wexford hurlers, Waterford hurlers. And Armagh got caught as well. So from now on, you say right. Well, we played three club games in the month of April I've li- released all my players we have a championship match in two weeks you go to the CCCC I'm heading down to Kerry we need to get a lot of work in Saturday and Sunday this yeah. is what I've released my players for and the CCCC go well that seems fair to us whereas another situation like who was it Mayo didn't release their players at all and the CCCC know this I was going to say the CCCC see this <laughs> and uh, they say to whoever the, Wex- the Mayo manager Stephen Rochford last year well you didn't release any of your players now you're looking for a training ban you won't, or a training camp. camp you won't get permission for that and that seems an awful lot fairer to me it keeps the April for clubs that bit honest and it allows permission in special cases to be able to permission for that yeah, well, certainly every every single county have different circumstances. You know, not every player can go at the specific times that the GA currently allow them to go. So, you know, I think it should be a case for me. This is a no brainer. It should be a case of you know county county boards, county management teams sitting down in the start of the year and finding when the best time is for their team to go on a training camp and putting that motion forward to the CCCC and seeing if they can get a pass then. Yeah, Colin, that makes sense, doesn't it? I think it's a 10-day before a match or something like that. Yeah, too. and like, managers should be allowed to prepare. Like we, we thought this was stupid as it was, but like, and if you are going to prepare for a championship match, which is what we want to see, we want to see teams being prepared for matches, then they should be allowed to do that the best way 
they want to do it and then not have to hide behind a historical trip or you know whatever else it is like yeah that. yeah talk of nonsense right so football attendances here lads the some fairly the GA accounts are out so some of this information is coming out of that so overall the average attendance figures at the 39 games in the All-Ireland series which includes qualifiers the Super 8 and the All-Ireland semi-final and final was 13,225 so that's 39 games including qualifiers Super 8 All-Ireland semi and final in 2017 there was 33 games so there was no Super 8s so that was in the football series. So that was qualifiers, that was All-Ireland quarterfinals, that was semi-finals and final. The average attendance was 19,000. The gate receipts in 2018 are down to 12.7 million. In 2017, there were 16.4 million. So the games went up, the revenue went down by 3,700,000. That's alarming. Like, I mean, there's no other way of looking at that other than to say that's an incredible drop in a year. It is, but like I suppose, I just want to know, like, why? Maybe why do you think it's alarming? Though, like, is it is a big stat that you look at? But what do you think it sort of says? I don't. I think uh, Dublin dominance has ruined the Leinster Championship. I think Mayo going out has had a big effect on it. I think maybe, like, I mean, the Super Eight didn't really work. Like uh, the style of football, I don't think neutrals want to go to a game in Croke Park, for example between Tyrone and Monaghan because they might not think it's going to be that much of a free-flowing game or alternatively Galway you know or and mm. somebody else I think there's a whole load of things but I think definitely the style of play is a big problem Mayo being out was a big problem because everybody knew Mayo gave us that that suspense of who's going to win the All-Ireland because yeah. they could ma- <clears throat> battle Dublin the minute Mayo went out people are thinking will Dublin have this won and they were right they had it won and they won it comfortably enough and that affected people's interest and attendances so style of play Mayo going out and I don't know maybe the Super 8s like we were talking it's <laughs> yeah. All-Ireland semi-final coming the week after the Super 8s six like, days yeah. for Dublin six days we talked about that no build up to it mm-hmm. Dublin playing Galway you say this is a procession and it turned out to be only yeah. 50 f- the Dublin fans stayed away so there's a lot of things building up but there is a huge danger of the All-Ireland series to ending up like the Leinster Championship like there is if Dublin dominate that like nobody I wouldn't even pay attention to Leinster Championship outside of Leash there's a great little mini league going on with Leashes Westmeads Carlos Louds Longfords they're all Division 3 teams which is fine and that's a little bit interesting in its own right but the Leinster Championship's a waste of time mm. if the all Ireland series goes that like that lads attendances are going to fall through the floor they are and it's, it's just it's hard to really like between one year and the other it's hard because the championship structure <laughs> completely changed as you said and I was looking like because the average is, is obviously counting per game so what, what the attendance was per game on average like Dublin for the quarter final in 2017 when they had a one off game against Monaghan and they could go out or they'll go through 82,000 full house but then their average over the three games so it's per game it's like 34,000 for the Super 8 because the first game against Donegal immediately it's it's a big enough game that was their biggest that's a, attendance that's as big as that's as big as yeah. Monaghan but it's not a knockout so the Sting's lost on it like you know we've got Maybe. another game at Crew Park and then one of them ends up being a dead rubber where 30,000 so comes in but the offset of that Super 8 structure should surely be the six extra games do you know what I mean but, like, but you're yeah. looking at per game so like you're looking at the average so yeah. how no, many no. people are showing up per game do you know what I mean so it doesn't matter if there's more games in 2018 compared to 2017 because we're still looking at the average of it or the average on it across every game right what do you take yeah no I take I take that point <coughs> listen 6,000 less on average per game is a is a huge amount of people isn't it um, less going to the games um, and then on top of that going into this year I think next year will be you know 
uh, an interesting stat because with the with the price hike with with uh, on ticket sales uh, for this year, it'll be interesting to see if people you know um, opt not to go to the games once again. You know, that's when, a big worry this year now yeah, as well. Uh, for me, looking at those stats, you know, if we've already got six thousand people on average less going to games. You should be reducing the price of games to get people to go out, <laughs> going through the gates again. You we know said what I mean? that last year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we there should be like you know. Paying nineteen pounds sterling into an Armagh v Clare game last week—it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. It's nineteen pounds sterling or twenty euro, ridiculous. You know, yeah. I understand the reasons for doing it, but you know, people are being hit heavy in the pocket at the minute, so they are. And if you want to get attract more people into the turnstiles to go on the ten games and reinvigorate our game, you know, reduce the price. Reduce the price and maybe their turnover in, yeah. in terms of uh, money mm. will, will be uh, increased as well. But b- based on what we have, we think maybe the All Ireland semi final being pushed two weeks away from the Super Eights could help. You need a build up to the All Ireland semi final. You Absolutely. need a build up to that, yeah. And but then Mayo being in it will definitely help, and yeah. they will be in it they this year. They had two games this year in that calculations against uh, Limerick, was it, and then Kildare. Whereas last the 2017, they had four qualifier matches. Then they had. Two quarterfinals, two semifinals, yeah. and a final. Now Mayo are bringing a big crowd, but they're not going to be the sa- they're not going to be the savior no. of it. But definitely Mayo Dublin sells out Croke Park. Mm. Mayo Galway gets fifty thousand. That's thirty thousand. Like it's making it, it's definitely making Mayo Kerry will bring a huge Mayo Kerry versus Galway Kerry. Sure, Galway Kerry there was bloody fifteen thousand, and like Mayo Kerry would do fifty. Because Mayo would have 40, 5, yeah. 45. Yeah, well, so they, the had, they do, they, they're outside of Dublin, they're a the huge cash yeah, cow for Mayo Kerry did 66, I think well, it was, 2017. And then the replay did yeah. 50 yeah, something, yeah. Something like what were the, the types of um, people going into the Kildare games for the Super 8s? I wonder, you know, the, the, the numbers wise, because Kildare are a big supporter county as well, and having knocked out Mayo last year certainly will have attracted some kind of interest yes they're not in the same level as Mayo in terms yeah. of, of what they could offer the All-Ireland Series I was series, at the game they were at the double header with Galloway Kerry they were on against Monaghan before it and there was a good Kildare crowd but they're not as well supported as they were in the Mikko times yeah. like, I mean that's what might be in the your head story, and yeah. that, uh, could, they're could not be, yeah. and it was a terribly wet uh, horrible day and Crow Park felt empty that day like mm-hmm. it, it was a terrible crowd that day in Crow Park and like, we can't they can't they can't just hope for Mayo to be in it every year. <laughs> I mean, that's not a strategic plan. And hope for Dublin to get worse. And hope for Dublin, while they still give them even more games development money in 2018 in the accounts. Can you believe that? That was supposed to be kind of maybe reduced, not kind of halved or slashed, but it was meant to be t- start to be tiered down. It went up this year. I would rather Jarrett Burns be here to represent the other side of that argument. It went up this year, though, but that's incredible. Like, genuinely, there is a fear that the All Ireland series will end up like the, the Leinster Championship because Dublin have the population and the funding of a province and they're fielding one team and they're playing against counties with populations of 50,000. Yeah. No, genuinely, the, the idea that Leash could beat Dublin in a current professional uh, environment and, and, and set up, sure, those, those days are gone. They're gone for, for good. Unless we get a, a, a Roman Abramovich that can come in and re- revolutionise our whole uh, county, it is. It's, it's a really, it's a really tough question because I think they're almost separate. That idea of D- Dublin being split, or the championship being changed, and the amount of money Dublin get because we all, like, we all know that most of the people are here in Dublin by far, like as over half the country. So does the GA not have to spend more in here? Now the byproduct of that is that Dublin gets stronger and stronger. Well, and stronger. my my idea is that Leitrim should get the most games development. It 
should be done like the, the NFL where the worst team gets the first draft pick so it shouldn't be Dublin get the most because they're the biggest it should be the, the the counties that need to catch up should be doubled it, it shouldn't be the best team gets yeah. the most games development yeah but the GA aren't looking at the senior football championship they're just looking at all the numbers in Ireland they and they be. want them people playing GA yeah. like that's, but that's the, 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 when you see Dublin with 5 million from AIG they can fund yeah, that themselves exactly, yes. and I was going to say that the not, sponsorship that Dublin have alone is well able to fund but this is the thing lads listen to this they're not even financing their own <laughs> stadium they're using a national stadium to give themselves another advantage so Leash have a new centre of excellence they're hamstrung with that uh, O'Connor Park all those uh, counties in Leinster have modern new stadiums of maybe 15 to 25,000 they've all had to get grants off the GEA that's great and then the other half have to finance themselves so their fundraising and their money that they make is financing a loan for a stadium yeah. Dublin don't even build a stadium they use the national one like it's all skewed in their favour like let's be honest I don't care it is there's no two ways about it they should be building themselves a 30,000 stadium stop using a national stadium it's not theirs build themselves and use some of all the money they're generating and have to finance your own stadium like I think the Dublin players would prefer it who wants to see Dublin Galway with 25,000 in Croke Park on a wet night and Dublin hammering them no atmosphere whereas yeah. they get themselves a new 30,000 stadium build some sort of a Hill 16 have a proper bloody ground that you can call your own and have league games with a huge Saturday night atmosphere and this is our ground now sure it's madness that they don't have that and the reason they don't have it is because Crow Park's been given to them handy well, and then now they're spending all their money then on going around to the schools and getting a, a, a lift a heads up a, a, an advantage over all the other counties don't talk to me it's not fair <laughs> Anyways, this is a funny one on a lighter note, right? Well, it's not even funny. It's terrible as well. The all Ireland football semi-finals, lads, are fixed for February the 16th. Saturday, February the club, 16th. Club semi-finals. The all Ireland club semi-finals, yes. Um, so, Corrafin play Guidor and Crokes play Mullen Hakta. On that same day, times to be confirmed <laughs> are the Sigerson semi-finals. So, Corrafin... We all know we talked about this disgrace last year, Kier Malai and Liam Silk. Well, it was Malai more than Silk. Well, Silk was posted, yeah. but he got injured in the Corrafin That game. was it, right. Yeah. So uh, Malai ends up playing the All Ireland semi final and heads off to a Sigerson final. It was, yeah. was the final last year. So now this year, like, I mean, remember, everybody was talking about this. This is just wrong. It's player welfare, and you can have all the sound bites you want about player welfare, and then you allow this to happen. So then this, this year, a year later, Sigerson semi-finals are on the same time as the all Ireland semi-final football club. So Kieran Malloy and Liam Silk are still with UCD playing that Saturday and still playing the all Ireland club. Yeah. Now the, the Sigerson is to be confirmed and Currafin yeah. play Guidor at half one. Wait till you see they'll fix the Sigerson their UCD match at five o'clock and give that opportunity to bloody drive up well, the road. Will, will they bring the Sigerson game forward? It's fixed for Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Will, will they bring it forward to the Friday? The other thing is the, the provincial club finals were played eight weeks ago you know what I mean before this game's going to be played you know surely that gives them some amount of time to, to fix that their um, schedule a, a wee bit more appropriately to suit players absolutely but the, like, the, I mean, uh, like last year like with NUIG sorry Malloy's sort of, he, he went from oh off, NUIG yeah, sorry. Offaly, and Silk is UCD he's UCD yes yeah, so he yeah. went from Offaly to Santry you know which isn't that far but this time the the Corofin semi-finals in Carrick on Shannon and the Sigerson semi-finals in Cork in Malu oh well then they're gone exactly ah, no, so how the hell yeah. are you going to get down the road it's not possible it's not yeah. possible 
Holy <laughs> shit that's just, that's just completely unfair It's unfair on UCD It's unfair on NUIG It's unfair it, to their it, whole squad It's unfair on the players So it well, is Well that's the obvious yeah. one yeah. The obvious I'm one is unfair on the players Because obviously You know They want to represent both teams um, For me The club is the most important one But they want to represent both teams And give their all for both teams And it's unfair That two years in a row same players have been put in the same type of situation yeah exactly right Connor Cox lads was an interesting one I have to hold my hands up and say I didn't know much about Connor Cox now I took all um, <coughs> December off obviously had two weeks holidays and the paternity two weeks as well so his transfer I actually went frantically googling Connor Cox then to find out his transfer happened in in December when I was out so I don't remember this because I was reading some report the controversial transfer but it turns out it's a really funny uh, transfer it's almost like on the Shawnee Johnson level of kind of stuff because he originally transferred to Air Oak the club of his father so his family connections to Roscommon which is absolutely understandable that they that he might transfer there he played I think he played for Kerry at some stage he won a junior All-Ireland for Kerry but he played for Kerry so he went to transfer to Aerog which was his father's club in Roscommon last December to be eligible to play with Roscommon he would have to play a championship game with Aerog first and the Roscommon club championship uh, wasn't due until much later in the year um, that would have ruled him out for 2019 so then he handed in a transfer quest was submitted to St Jude's in Dublin but it didn't satisfy all the criteria now St. Jude's wouldn't have had a championship match either so I'm a little bit confused as to why the St. Mm-hmm. Jude's thing would have come across and then to make matters even funnier ironically Cox did not have to leave his home club to qualify for Roscommon as he did so under the terms of other relevant yeah. connection routes <laughs> just thinking there was like <laughs> so you, know, you can st- if you've got that father from yeah. that, you don't even have to <laughs> you see Shawnee Johnson was missing the uncle or the father yeah. from Kildare that time that's how that but that's hilarious isn't it so Roscommon are one of Roscommon are one of 13 counties in the GEA that allows inter-county transfers under the parentage ground to go ahead regardless of a club transfer. Leitrim, Carlo, Leash, Wicklow, Sligo, Longford, Kilkenny, Fermanagh, Cavan, Clare, Offaly, Tip are the other, other beneficiaries. So that's funny, isn't it? Yeah. It's, really, it's interesting. I was looking up um, the rules of how do you like, play for different counties like last week and I was realised then if I had a kid, so I'm, I'm from Derry and I am my club Scaries in Dublin and if I have a kid now while I'm living in Dublin and registered with Scaries but he doesn't play for Scaries, then we move to Offaly, see? He is now eligible to play for Offaly, Dublin or Derry. Right. You know, so it gets bigger and bigger as you go along, yeah. as long as you're born in that place. Yeah, jeez, we might start moving around that to give the children a, a good old start off. A good opportunity, yeah. I'd be moving to Dublin. You're playing with the Dublin. <laughs> you want an All-Ireland, there's only one place to be. That's it. Yeah, have yeah. the hill chanting their name. Um, bit of bad news. Should have finished up on Connor Cox because I'd like to finish up the, the, the section oh, on one on, note, a, yeah. on a lighter note. But this is a terrible note for Catter Healy. So he he's done his cruciate so it's his second cruciate in 18 months and he had a really bad shoulder injury in that time as well so it's horrific 18 months he left the hurlers to come back with the footballers and he would have been a great addition um, to them so he did he got a knee injury against Kerry um, and they thought it was his medial ligament so it was only a four to six week job um, and it's been confirmed that it is now his cruciate in his other knee so he's done one of each and he was telling me that it was just a collision a bit like Tom Parsons coming together the knee bent usually when you kind of bend it the wrong way it can be your medial ligament because I've done my medial ligament it's the one on the inside of your knee and then like I mean that's four to six weeks but it obviously was the cruciate and then that's a year so he's whole Port Leash gone for it. like I mean just heartbreaking for him 
That's it's awful. I always feel really bad, you know, for boys like him, and they're like they're so in love with the game they're playing, like both sports and just real hardy players. Like, and it's, I don't know, it's 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 always sad to see them being mortal and that they can be stricken down like this. Yeah, no, terrible. So that's the the bad note that we've ended it on, unfortunately. So up <laughs> next on a on a better note is Terry Highland after Leitrim's brilliant start to the year. Happiness. anymore me and him were like best friends when, when we played you know he's seen the light of Jesus and uh, I'm still like fighting the devil you know <laughs> <laughs> We know Leitrim have had a brilliant start to the season, beating two good division uh, four teams, Wicklow and Wexford, and drawing with Mayo in the FBD League. And their manager, Terry Highland, joins us on the line now. Terry, you must be delighted with the start. Yeah, well, look, it's it's, it's work in progress. We're delighted. Uh, you know, you describe it as being brilliant. We would describe it as a good start, probably. You know what I mean? Because that's all it is. It is a start, and it's it's, it's only a, a toe in the water to see exactly where we're going to. It's it's a strange one in Division Four, Terry, because like I mean, every team wants to get out of it, and if you're not in the promotion mix because there's no relegation, it it must be a re- like I suppose you've no experience with it yet, but it's 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 a fear of being in that mid table with nothing to play for. Well, that is the danger, and that can happen to you very, very easily. You know what I mean? As I said to the lads when we got involved, you know what I mean? You can afford to lose one match, maybe max, in your total league campaign, and even at that, that's not going to guarantee you. But after that, you're, you're, in, you're, you're probably still back to where you had started off from, which is, you know, it's a bit unusual, you know. But anyway, that's that's the nature of the league. What's it like in Division Four? <laughs> what is it like? Look, at uh, it's most. Totally, completely different, and, and you know, from I'm playing counties and now, well, I would have been involved with Cavan playing Wicklow before, but but playing counties, I wouldn't have been involved with and maybe um, styles of football and you know different levels of skill levels and different things. But you know what I mean? It's it, it's fine once the bunch of lads that you're working with once to get to where they want to be and they have a purpose and they're applying themselves. You know, I'm quite happy to be involved with that, and that has been good so far with Leeton. Right, okay. So you were appointed nice and early, so you're able to get um, to a lot of the club championship games, you're able to get strength and conditioning kind of programme done with them nice and early, which obviously was an advantage. Well, of course it is. And look, I have um, Gary Donahoe and Paul McGorty, two good leads men. He knew the players anyway. So, you I mean, we weren't walking in the case of it, you know, walking in blind. I always taking board the advice of the people who are looking at the people in the county over a number of years rather than just going to matches. You go to games and, OK, you go to a game today and you see a guy playing well and you go the next day and you might be fitting So you have to go back to the looking where it's consistency there. And that's where you bring fellas in county finals. To me, they have to be consistent. Right, OK, because you brought in, obviously, two fellas from Cavan and you have the one selector then from, May- or from Leitrim, so you'd be leaning on his local... two selectors from Leitrim. Oh, you have two from Leitrim, yeah. So you'll, you'll lean yeah. on their local kind of knowledge a little bit. I do take your point Correct. that a one-off game, you're not getting the full picture of a player. We all can play well on a one-off. Correct. You know what I mean? As I said, at, you know yourself and involved in the county football is about consistency and the guy has to go out and be fit to perform consistently. <laughs> Day. So that's where you're building from, rather than uh, an up and down graph from a playing point of view. 
Yeah. And like, I mean, with the strength and conditioning and, you know, gearing your fitness towards the league, because you hear every Division 4 manager and Division 3 that this is our championship. So are you looking for them to peak for league, knowing that an All-Ireland, let's be honest, is out of your grasp? And with three Division 1, you know, teams in Connacht, maybe a Connacht title might have been out of your grasp as well. Are you, it's a bit strange maybe compared to how you might, you know, work the season with Cavan, for example. Well, perhaps it's, you know, my knowledge and being involved in football, even with Cavan, was always the case. We were trying to get up a league. We started Division 3, we got two, then they got them into one. So we always treated the league with respect and we always seen it as a as a benchmark to where we want to be in championship. And OK, we just I personally would take them all as two different competitions. Um, Leitrim, yes, I think we would have... You talked about S&C, but we would do S&C. We'd probably actually work more on skills, coaching and skills levels and handle ball handling and that. Because in the end of the day, you can be fitter than the opposition, but if you make more mistakes than the opposition, you're going to get beaten. Yeah. Oh, well, like, I mean, it must be really difficult then to do all those skills. Do you pack everything into a Saturday and Sunday? Because I was reading you've obviously 26 players based in Dublin. So, you know, during the week... Well, what we do is we go up to Dublin. Jason Riley and I said myself would go up to Dublin on a Tuesday night and we trained there was 20-plus guys in Dublin. Okay. And to be fair, the park and, and uh, Gary, they take the lads and in, in Leeds and they train them and we basically do the same type of... of uh, Thing, and then we collage on a Friday night and we collage on a Sunday but, but we would lean more towards the skills on our, on our group sessions than we would in S&C Alright okay so how many are left in Leitrim so there's more at the session in Dublin than there are in Leitrim then Well that's the nature of the modern world is that everybody <laughs> has to go where the colleges are where the workers and that's what it is you know what I mean everybody is migrating towards the east coast they all like you up that end of the world you know <laughs> But this, this is the thing though Terry with Leitrim because I was interviewing different fellas from Leitrim and we are talking about them last year and it always seemed to me that every year you look at their team and then the following year there's a whole load of new faces like I mean not only are the players numbers really low because we know the Leitrim population the turnover of players and if for those probably commitment levels of having to travel from Dublin and they don't want to do it because there's not much light at the end of the tunnel and all these problems kind of like are a vicious circle for counties like Leitrim Yeah to be fair and you know what I mean you know and go back to what you said five minutes ago you know Division 4 is a must for elites from or anybody in there they need to see a, a step of the ladder they need to see the graph rising as a progress to say well but why would it go back in next year because yeah. okay we either A got promoted or we were close to it and then if we do a little bit better we will get promoted next year and please God then if you do that again if they get up a division again that the following year after that and it's, it's no different I suppose in any sport it's you know the base is the base of where you're starting off from, but the only way getting them in that base can, for leagues from my own division four, can only rise. Yeah. Do you have everybody in there that you want, or is there still fellas that you've you've been trying to no, talk around? In every county, and I don't care if it's a Dublin or a Kerry or a Leitrim or a Longford or a Wicklow. There are always guys you would like to have, but for some whatever reasons they cannot commit. I mean. Um, and that could be, it can be work, as you said, it could be just that maybe they've lost a little bit of heart at that time. And it's up to us as management to um, maybe create an atmosphere for those fellas that maybe say, yes, well, God, I, w- I would like to go back in there next year and try out for that county. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when you train in Dublin, you train in Abbottstown, um, I was reading. No. <laughs> Bleachum did train in Abbottstown last year. We actually are based ourselves out of Blanchard T. Okay. Because there was a difficulty last, I think, with Abbotton on a few different occasions, so we just probably based ourselves there. So Blanche IT, we, 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 we do a deal with them and get a pitch off them, so we know exactly where we're going to. Um, 
every Tuesday night when we're up there and we're not to worry about whether it's bad weather, good weather, that you know, to be fair as they've, they've said, well, you have the pitch and that's it, you know. Right, OK. So is it, is it that's the next challenge is trying to get a pitch in Dublin to be able to train those on. So you have that for the year. So that's a logistic thing that you don't have to worry about. Correct. Right. And, you know, I've said this to other reporters before, and maybe that's something the GA need to look at. As I know they have the Abbottstown, but the Abbottstown can only accommodate so many people. And as you rightly said, everybody is drifting to the East Coast. Other drifting to the cities, let it be a Galway or a Limerick or a Cork, that possibly to alleviate all this travel that all these guys have is that there is places or hubs that these people can go in and train on. Yeah. And like, would you have tried clubs now and asked them and been turned down? Of course, they would train on Tuesday night themselves. So I presume a club pitch in Dublin would be out of the question. It would be. And, you know, to be fair, you know, some of the clubs have much bigger numbers to try and accommodate than a lot of counties. And they themselves are running around looking for pitches. Yeah. No, look, we're very grateful to, to Blanchard and IT for looking after us. And, you know, at least we know where we are. We know where we're going. We know what time we're there at. So as you said, that logistic nightmare is gone you know yeah Kevin McStay was talking he was when he was with Roscommon he used to get the Dublin lads home in taxis so he didn't even uh, get buses because they were in different places so he, he got them home in taxis and it ran up huge huge costs and he was saying that Croke Park should cover that cost so why would Roscommon have to pay such huge uh, uh, travel expenses when they can't afford it and like uh, counties like maybe Kildare or Dublin that would be closer to Dublin have much lower that it's not a level playing field at all well, that's it's not it's not it's not Kildare's fault or Dublin's fault that they're no. on the east coast, and that's where the, the facilities are. But around here, perhaps rather than paying taxis, which is throwing money into a black hole that's going to go nowhere, put up facilities, put up a pitch, put up two pitches, lads. Yeah. That's a, there's, that pitch there is for the Connacht boys. That pitch there is for the Munster boys. That pitch is there for the Ulster boys. He's a guarantee if he's want to train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it is. He's have somewhere to go. Now, they will say, they will counteract and tell you they have Abbottstown, and they, which is having it's a beautiful and wonderful facility. But if suddenly 10 counties decide they want to train on Tuesday night, but they can't accommodate that. Yeah, yeah. And do, do all, the, like, I presume most of the Connacht um, counties will be doing the same thing as you in training their boys. I know the Mayo lads did. Uh, Tony McEntee last year was heading down there to train the Dublin based fellas. So I presume there is a bit of a competition <laughs> with the few pitches that are there. <laughs> well that's it because I suppose it's traditionally as you said guys playing a Sunday they do maybe a bit of S&C on a Monday or rest night the Tuesday so you have to build in rest with the session so it's not a case that suddenly you can say well we can train any one of the five nights in the week because you can't you have to balance it with your games coming up at the weekends Yeah so were you surprised with the offer um, of the Leitrim job Terry like I mean I, I was surprised when I heard it I don't really know why I always thought Cavan was a little bit further away than Leitr- from Leitrim it's only an hour away so like I mean it's not it's about, huge Yeah it's only an hour away from me to, from, from my work to drive to uh, Yeah to were you, Leitrim and I was asked to get involved uh, Carrie Gallant proposed me and I was asked would it be interesting in getting involved with Leitrim and to be fair I was asked on a few occasions at maybe different meetings and conferences and you know about two tier competitions and different things and I always ask the question well what are they doing for the Leitrims and the Carlos and the Wicklows and the Waterfords to make them better you know yeah. and uh, I felt that you know it's easy saying tier two put them in that competition but you know what I mean how do you get them better and what do you do with them so when I was asked would it be interested in involved I suppose I had already put me uh, 
me hand up by saying that and I says, of course, yes, I'll give this a go for a year or two and see if I can bring anything to the table for them. Because that's the thing, because Leitrim's manager seems to be changing over on a yearly, two, you know, two yearly basis. So I saw you mentioning something about like Leitrim get knocked out of the championship very early and maybe it's because they're in between managers, they go six months without doing strength and conditioning and suddenly they're back to square one. You know, after maybe six weeks, you're nearly back to square one on strength and conditioning. Yeah, and, and it's, prob- it's probably a result of different managers taking over and that's six months being wasted. That's true, but if they can put in, again, and this is a Crow Park-led thing, that if they can put in enough coaches, and maybe an S&C guy who can keep 30 to 40 fellas ticking up over those months, when they know that there's a problem with that particular county, that they give them in a system or a programme that these guys can go over to play the football, but yet the county board maybe being financed by Crow Park and say, well, look, at, we keep these lads up at a certain level of fitness because we have the personnel to do that now. And then suddenly, when it comes back to November, December time, we're not just starting from zero again, you know? Yeah, so like that would take a full-time strength and conditioning coach employed by the county board, which some counties have, but obviously Leitrim don't have. Well, again, it goes back to finances, as you yeah. said, right? So, you know what I mean? These guys are going to cost money. So it's something that perhaps, as I said, Crow Park... Looking at the weaker county, like you for the take lead for example, you have three coaches now. Mm. One you know, to cover the whole county. Well, you might say it's small. There's only twenty some clubs in it, but still only one guy has to do all that. We have most clubs in Dublin have minimum one coach, and most of them have two. Yeah. Too. We've we've definitely gone through that debate. Anyways, I have Tom Ryan coming up on the show on on uh, very soon. I might ask him about all that kind of stuff. Come here, talk to me quickly about the style of play because your style of play with Cavan has unfairly been referred to as the Black Death. <laughs> I won't go into that, but is it a similar style of play you're going with? Because I talked to Colin Begley before, and he obviously Leash were in Division Four last year, and he said you almost have to go with that style in Division Four to try and get out of it. Well. Going back to my cabin days, we were, I think the last league game we played Anthem, we could see the four goals. And at the end of the day, and then we probably scored one touch and one forty in the other end, but we didn't win the game. So it's like a house. The foundation has to be right. So if the defence is not right, it doesn't really matter. It's very hard to outgun the guys at the other end. Dublin and say, well, okay, they tried to win the game by 15-beat kick more, but they are pretty well defensively set up as well. So you have to have. In any sport, it's all or nothing. You just can't be a bit one little section on the uh, on the team that's going to get you across the line. Nowadays, it has to be about all the 15 moving parts that's working, you know? Yeah, no, it is. And like, I mean, we, we talked to Emlyn Mulligan, you talk about the two-tier and I presume you're you're in favour of the two-tier because Leitrim could potentially get to an All-Ireland semi-final in, uh, in a two-tier All-Ireland. Like, I mean, are you, are you pro uh, the tier two thing? I have no problem with it provided it's marketed properly. Yeah. Provided... There's, an, there's something in it for the teams at the end of it rather than someone just bring them to Crow Park. Okay, play them a game. That's fine. And Crow Park and it's a big team for these guys. But hand them a cup and say, well, look, let's go home now. And well, actually, you're still backing that next year. And um, if you have to win that again next year, well, good luck to you one, two in a row. But you actually have not moved any further on. Yeah. So it's about where's the progression out of that. So, like, if the finalists got up to the Division 1 the following year and there was All-Stars, for example, for the Division 2 All-Ireland and, you know, treated the exact same as the yeah. Division 1 All-Ireland, you would be uh, in favour of it? I would be in favour, but also, it's like everything else. If you play in in any competition, like you, you play intermediate club football and you happen to win an intermediate championship, but you want to play senior football, you don't just go back and say, oh, I'm going to play intermediate again. Yeah. You get a crack to play at the bigger end of it again. And, OK, if you're not good enough and you won't survive, you go back down. But it's about that increment. Where you keep that increment in for the player to keep him interested rather than saying, well, 
you know, the only place you can play is actually tier two. You're not good enough to compete anywhere else, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. Because Emlyn Mulligan was telling us um, on the show last year that he's never played in Croke Park for Leitrim, and he just kind of felt a little bit kind of sad about the fact that he never had that opportunity. And outside of winning a Connacht title, like maybe this year with the league final going to be in, yeah, I don't want to. Uh, you'll have to touch wood here, Terry, and see how how it goes. But the Division Four <laughs> league final. That's the wrong side of the head to touch there. It is. A <laughs> it's a long way away, but like I mean, playing. A, for, for the Leitrim players to play a game in Croke Park would be a huge thing of course it would and you know what I mean it's, uh, this is where we're trying to get them to but come back to what exactly you said we're just two rounds of the league overs and that's as hard as we've gotten you know what I mean but a bit, it would be a little bit inappropriate to be talking about Croke Parks and, and league finals and all of that as yet but in the general and for those group of counties down there I'm not just talking about Leitrim I'm talking about everybody's in, in Division 4 and Division 3 it's, it's, you know what I mean? We don't want to leave them in those divisions. We don't want to say, well, that's as good as you're going to be, as good as you can get. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Let's make the whole island more competitive. Yeah, exactly. So rather than just saying, look, you have your Mayos and your Kerrys and your Tyrones, and that's as far as they're going to be in your Donegal, population base is a big thing there. But I believe that with more resources put in, more spare coaching at underage, you will make the smaller counties strong. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you ever think about the kind of job Carlo did with the whole PR around the, the footballers and the Carlo Rising thing and they did a few open training sessions and met the, the supporters and kind of got a bit of a momentum and a bandwagon going there, you know, and they got up to Division 3 and they look like they're competing really well there. You know, do you think about doing things potentially like that with Leitrim and get the fans on board and, you know, get that whole kind of ball rolling? I, I think the fans thing will come on board anyway. If you're, you're successful, the fans will come in behind you and probably from fundraising and all that type of thing. And at the end of the day, I don't think that's going to win that many Gaelic matches for you. Yeah. I think what's going to make you win games if your skill levels get better and you work harder, you know what I mean, and, and, and your percentages and of scoring or making less mistakes, that's what win games for you, not really the crowd behind you. The crowd is what people go home to in the evening, the people they meet out at the weekend after playing the game, the people they meet on the Monday, Tuesday and the Wednesday. So the people that pay the... But then actually, I don't think where they are, they will give you a percentage. And when you are getting tight in the game, and it's great to hear that cheer and that roar behind you, unless you're producing on the field, you won't get that roar out of the people either, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Come here, I won't hold up any any more of your time. I have you in a league final there. I'm sure you'll dampen, you'll dampen that down. Uh, be, best of <laughs> yeah, well, luck. I'm not just going to the bookies yet. <laughs> best of luck for the rest of the league and the year, Terry. Thanks for taking the call. Okay, thanks. He goes, if these boys are doing God's work, you can do whatever you want in the field. My kind of, for me, that was a, that was a free pass. <laughs> so, so when you say Mickey takes it to another level, what will he be doing this week? Um, an extra dagger to the rosary. <laughs> <laughs>
right, Paddy Power predictions, as We're going to do this a bit different because I find predicting every game of the 16 games a little bit boring. And if it's boring for me, it's boring for people that are, li- that are probably uh, listening it's as well. It's showing us up a lot as well. <laughs> when you get down to Division 3 or 4, your knowledge is getting a little bit tested. Yeah. But what we're going to do, we're going to look at Kerry Dublin anyways because that's, um, that's the big game. And then we'll pick an accumulator each and we'll explain reasons maybe for that accumulator. So we'll see how that goes this week. But Kerry Dublin is Paddy Power has it are the odds Kerry are 2-1 to one outsiders Dublin 1-2 to two. Handicap is 2 points This is our first look at Kerry lads so we know we've talked about Kerry without seeing them but it's important to actually see them to see how they're setting up we know the system we think they're playing is food and drink to Dublin we know they're trying to get bodies back behind the ball we know Dublin can pick that apart we know that's not the Kerry way we know Ian Fitzmaurice flirted with it for a year or two it didn't get mm-hmm. him what he wanted and he went back to a really attacking football last year which I think is the only way Kerry can beat Dublin so there's an awful lot of information we're going to get of the Peter Kane era mm. and Kerry based on this game Saturday night I think it, it, while you say you don't read much into the league we absolutely can make judgments on what we're going to see from Kerry this weekend it could be the only time we see Kerry play Dublin this year as well like, so this is the best time to look into it yeah. like, coming up to week 3 now like it is starting to get a bit more serious a little bit more now Kerry are decimated Like it's nowhere near Kerry's best team yeah. at the moment but we'll still regardless of personnel we'll see, what way we'll see their system yeah, and how they're planning this year I still think they can go into this game a wee bit more expansive because they've already won their first two games and they can afford to lose this game. So trying something different um, in terms of their management team and putting them out to, to play a different type of way than what they have done in the first two games uh, might do them no harm at yeah. all. Do you think they'll do that though yeah. when they're trying to practice this this, <coughs> this yeah, new one under a, under a new manager? So under a new manager and Peter Keane and he, he wants to try new ways as well. So we all know the traditional Kerry way of playing football but you know this is something that, against what they have been um, accustomed to down through the years but certainly you know games against Dublin you know teams that really go for the juggler against Dublin have a better opportunity a better chance of, of getting close to them so why should Kerry not do that? Yeah but that's what I'm saying I yeah. don't think they will now I think they'll, yeah. they'll, they're practising this new system I think that's what we're going to see on Saturday night yeah. now how extreme it is is probably the question we all want to answer That's it yeah because I want to see what they're exactly doing with their wing forwards because like, sometimes that can tell a lot like you look at Dublin's wing forwards like you know, Howard and Scully it's just so different to like you know what Tyrone might operate in like and the two boys are most their most creative players going forward and I see Jeremy O'Connor's there for Kerry and he's like a sort of bright spark for the under 21s and he's playing midfield for them so I'm wondering is he just going to spend a lot of time camped back and doing a lot of dog work and Lyon is a wing back yeah. wing forward so they're yeah. the two fellas we're going to be looking at are they getting back ahead of the ball and waiting are they tackling back what are they doing like you know that's the question and then I suppose Paul Murphy's a big one at centre back he's not a natural centre back he's a wing back corner back more of a wing back naturally yeah. he's, he's wing not forward. the biggest presence for not a big presence either. at all so yeah. is one of these fellas going back and standing centre back and leaving That's Murphy free we don't know because Murphy's played sweeper before yeah. there's lots of questions we want answers yeah. to hear but they, see that that would be a good like I wouldn't actually mind that system and if they're trying to get boys back and stuff but then it's an agreement that Murphy's going to go all the time and whoever else is start bringing in but O'Connor is going to stay at number 6 and protect that area yeah. You know, we're big lads that can sort of do the, the dirty work, but it has to be some sort of agreement where Murphy's going to be unleashed then to, to do what he can do. The problem doing that against Dublin is that O'Connor will come back and play that role, and who's he leaving Jack McCaffrey free, man? Yeah. You don't want that. <laughs> so, like, I mean, yeah. he'll just punish you, so then maybe Murphy can get free, and then you've got one free man on either side. I take Jack McCaffrey over Murphy myself. 
but like that's how Dublin can hurt you so then what happens Stephen O'Brien corner forward um, you have a Spillane is it Kieran Spillane in the other corner so Spillane potentially could push out on 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 Jack McCaffrey then but then you're leaving Johnny Cooper potentially yeah. for free like <laughs> Dublin will now then again Dublin could reshuffle and just leave Johnny Cooper as a sweeper do you know what I mean but you are hamstringing your attack by giving Dublin that extra man this is the problem with Dublin it's very difficult to know how to beat them because you bring back your sweeper you're giving them the free sweeper which yeah. they love they mm. love that you know and if you don't do it you've no sweeper you're hitting them in a shootout and everybody's afraid except for Mayo to do that with Dublin mm-hmm. so like I mean this is the question for, for Kerry and it took I always compare it like Mourinho when he took over Real Madrid it took him about five games to figure out how to play against uh, Real Madrid and then he started against Barcelona then he started getting better results his first one was 5-0 beating mm. now in that La Liga you'll play Cups you'll play uh, the league twice and everything so he got those five games in the first two years pretty quickly Eamon Fitzmaurice played Dublin twice a year. That takes him maybe three years to figure out <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. you know, to learn these lessons with new teams. It's very difficult for teams in GEA to actually figure out a system against Dublin because you play them so, so rarely yeah. at, a, at a high level. And teams change year by year. Yeah, I mean, like Tommy Walsh, I see you've got him on the notes as well. Like him yeah. coming in is going to be a big one as well, though, because I do, like, again, I'm looking at team sheets here, but you would like him to sort of spook the Dublin backline a bit more and you're talking about McCaffrey and all these guys bombing forward but you know a ball into Tommy Walsh who suddenly scores a goal or just gets in behind like that will just sort of I think, that, I think we'll definitely yeah, see him well, what we, know, what we know is big men do cause the Dublin full backline problems we know that from, from the past year you know so certainly Tommy Walsh is a huge man you know a huge man on the edge of the square if they put him in there and, and put some ball type of ball in on top of him You'd imagine something make him off of that. This is my this is my thing. So Tommy Walsh came on the last day, so I think he'll start the next day. But here you go. You're bringing back enough men. This is Dublin's thing. Dublin do not bring back a forward to play as a sweeper. If you have a working half forward, they'll use their half back line and one will cover. So is it really beneficial to have Tommy Walsh? You're giving it to him and you've Keen O'Sullivan or Johnny Cooper, whoever's a sweeper, and he's turning around double teaming him. Now the mm-hmm. offensive mark will work, but even if you're looking ahead towards the championship. Is that beneficial? I always think if you're playing that big man in there, you have to keep your half forward line in position. Yeah. Then you do, Dublin don't have that sweeper and you can get joy out of this big man. <clears throat> Otherwise, you're giving them the sweeper and playing him in here, like Galway played in Flynn. He got two bloody balls in the first half. Now, he did it with him, but sure, what's the point? Yeah, you're, but that, that's my point that I made earlier on. Why not try something different than what they have done the first two games Kerry as we said can as I believe they can certainly afford to lose this game but they can afford to lose it by trying something different with having Tommy Walsh on the edge of the square and keeping more forwards up and trying to play off him but this is the thing Stevie they are trying something different at the moment he's a new manager he's only his third game so you know what I mean even even in the last couple of years with Ian Fitzmaurice Tommy Walsh he was in the squad I think last year as well was he maybe maybe, so yeah but he has been playing club football in Kerry so he wasn't brought back in so he wasn't an option in, in the full forward line for them David Clifford obviously had a massive year last year a, a, a big presence as well but imagine having two big men such as David Clifford and Tommy Walsh in there and, and Highball flowing into them yeah, I think it would wreak havoc oh in the championship havoc. in the yeah. championship yeah definitely but Fenton is like I mean uh, David Moran came on late the last day so he's only getting back yeah. to full fitness and he, they need him because in the second half against Galway Fenton ran amok mm. yeah. like you can't kick the ball out to this fella he's just he's so good in the air he's so good on the ground he's a machine he just you yeah I don't know how you stop Fenton. I actually don't. David Moran can put it up to him, and he he did it. He did very Fenton's well in the, be, the in the league final. 
the best footballer in the country at the minute. All round footballer, Fenton is the man, and you know there's very very few, if any, able to stop him. What what Moran did was attacked at the other side as well, so it just gives Fenton something else to do. Yeah, think about. marking Fenton is a waste of time. Yeah. Going to go out there and mark him like <laughs> Peter Cook or someone could because mm-hmm. he's so fast, he'll just get away yeah. from you. And midfielders don't like marking. You're not going to do a good job of marking him. You're right, Conan. Maybe just say you take him on like midfielders like doing that anyway and Moran did that yeah that, that's why he does well on him generally I still, I remember we were arguing last year about that and I thought Fenton got the better but Fenton had a really good first half and then Moran really came in and dominated them but it was because he was going forward but Peter Kane it's a, it's an interesting sort of question because I, this time last year I, I was looking at Kerry and I called them Arsenal I think on the podcast and just said you know like they're very open at the back and they were attacking and it was great to see but they just looked too wide open so in some sense does he have to sort of try this and try and tighten it up a bit are those defenders good enough like you said that if Kerry had Mayo's defenders and yeah. Mayo had Kerry forwards and you'd have a team that could potentially be Dublin but you know I just don't know if those backs are good enough to go toe to toe with Dublin on no them. Peter Crowley corner back I'd be very worried about that but they, we know that it's not their full their full team yeah. to get the Crokes lads back and all the injuries back like at the moment you'd say Crowley could be under serious pressure against uh, Rock or Mannion um, you know Brian O'Bioglock like he's he's not he's a bit of all or nothing he's a bit of a kamikaze type defender mm-hmm. I don't think he's a good natural defender I think he's a good wholehearted warrior type player but it, I'd worry about him as yeah. well. I'd worry about him as yeah. well Tyg Morley's solid um, and Thomas Sullivan could be a great attacking threat but I do think physicality wise Kerry are, will be under pressure um, under pressure against Dublin it was interesting Jim Gavin said along with a lot of other managers said that he's no he's, they're not practising the advanced mark so we know Dublin are just back from holidays and yeah. they're focusing mostly I'd say on getting their physical fitness back and the football is kind of taking care of itself but we know the issue with the mark is it's not in for the championships so Jim Gavin said no we didn't practice it at all or talk about it either like not even talk about it <laughs> I, surpri- I was surprised I, I would I, actually think that he's probably telling the truth on this occasion you know yeah, but why, you, why, why should he waste time on it you know, my my belief on it is smart, intelligent forwards will know how to play and use the mark at the right time. Anyway. Yeah, and, but and strate- strategies are important too, Stevie. Because if you you need your players in positions to be, you know what I mean, to be yeah. catch. Like I know, I know, like for players will know. But if your strategy is only to leave one, two forwards up there, there won't be lads there. You know what I mean? It's strategic. There's huge uh, tactics and strategies. Could be. I you know understand why. P- they're not wasting their time practicing yeah, that and yeah. strategizing. But I talked. I thought they'd talk about it as a group, you know, like yeah. as in if it's on. Yeah. But he he did say that I, players I think are smart enough and technically skilled enough that if there are opportunities they'll take them. And that's it. Dublin yeah. lucky enough that they've got really intelligent players. But I would have thought as a group they might talk about yeah. it. Well, like a key element of the mark, believe it or not, is you know, is the quality of kick passing going in. So uh, you. you I'm not surprised that Jim Gavin isn't working on it but you know as a manager you try to look at you know giving your team the best advantage particularly with the teams that aren't as successful as Dublin you look at the best advantage of of giving your teams the win and if by making marks is improving your team's kick passing then you are going to work on it yeah yeah. Do you, do you not want to win the league either? Like, you know, is that not That's a That's the thing? thing. And another thing, like all these counties like um Carlo and Leash and all Westmead and all these counties that say that the league is their championship. Yeah. Why are they not saying, well, geez, we're working really hard on this because 
why not take the quick advantage and then go right well it's not in for the championship but we we bloody did well yeah, in the league we're based in two now. we we actually got a leg up on everyone else because we worked hard in this mark where nobody nobody else bothered to yeah. do it do you know what I mean well, I, I in the games that I've seen so far Monaghan are the only team that I have really seen use it to good effect yeah yeah they did and Jack McCarran playing centre forward yeah. obviously helped that an awful lot because he's a distributor and I think that's what the mark mm-hmm. will do it'll mean you've got a great link man on the half forward line that can give in good ball and I think that will bring a little bit more shape but we're not getting into a, a mark <laughs> uh, chat anyways right I'm going to give you my accumulator here we go so it's 18 to 1 guaranteed and it's, and it's 5 teams Five teams. So first one, we have Dublin to beat uh, Kerry at one to two. I think that's a banker, lads. Now the handicap was plus or minus two. I was a little bit nervous about going at that, <laughs> based on the way if Kerry are going very defensive and it's a wet night, you know, it could be it could be close. But I think Dublin, Dublin are just going to blow away a, a Kerry team. I think that are nowhere near full strength. Um, Tyrone to beat Roscommon at eight to thirteen. Now that's in Roscommon. Um, Roscommon have been brilliant they're coming off a good win they're 8-13 to 13 to beat Roscommon destroyed them obviously in the Super Race last year under serious pressure for a result Roscommon are overachieving they did well against Mayo did well against Monaghan they've only I think one of their starting defenders from last year like they're playing that defensive system I just think their defensive system versus Tyrone's defensive system Tyrone are better longer at it yeah. than Roscommon I think that if Roscommon hadn't that, had that brilliant result against um against Monaghan you wouldn't get as good a price as 8-13 to 13 on Tyrone um, for that one Dermot Murta uh, by the way is back for Roscommon he's back in training so um, they're starting to get some of their injuries cleared up and you have to say Anthony Cunningham deserves a lot of credit for getting close to Mayo even though it was a late goal on a horrible night and beating Monaghan he's only had two months lads he was in very late yeah. compared to couldn't get a manager so like I mean he's a hurling manager for in the recent history he's, he's managed Gary Castle I'm going to make a call here and say that my theory that that defensive system is so bloody easy to coach. Anthony Cunningham is proof of that. That that that's why all these managers are are playing these defensive systems because it's brain dead. It's get back behind the ball, tackle hard, work, work, work. You're in that zone. You're in that zone. You're drifting over and backward depending on what side the ball is on. Whereas we're working, working, working hard. We're getting tackles in. No fouling. Surround the man. All these messages, Grant, I don't think that's hard for players to follow. When we win the ball back, we're leaving two up there. Work, work, break, break, couple of lads break, whatever. I think it's the easiest game plan to get quick results rather than come in and have to have a forward yeah. formation and a, a good kicking game and an offload game. And You know what I mean? It's, it's simple. I agree. You know what I, I mean? Like It is simple. And I hate when people say they're really good defensively you might be really good defensively but it's easy to be really good defensively when you have seven extra f- defenders mm. you tell me if you're good defensively one on one that's good defending for me they're too often now you hear in the Sunday game they're well organised in defence it was good they're a really good team at defending well, it's easy to be if I have two if you're coming to tackle me Stevie and I've got you on my own I'm going to be an awful lot worse at tackling you than if I have my buddy to, and the two of us surround you you can't get around two so why is that better defending yeah. than what? Just, I don't understand that kind yeah. of thing. It's borrowed from soccer where a Mourinho team is set up well. What's he doing? He's putting his 11 players in. Be- yeah. Masterclass. <laughs> Masterclass. You can't get through yeah. these. Even it's, Messi can't get through. It's, a, it's also very easy to be good defensively when the opposition are told not under any circumstance to engage the tackle. So they're just passing the ball around. On the outside. And it's like Dublin keep possession but Dublin always look for a way in and then they just have that out and you did great analysis on it last year when they do get under pressure they have somebody there to back it up. 
but you have to be looking ways to get in all the time and that's where offensive coaches it needs to go beyond just yeah. keeping the ball yeah. like find a way to get in and then like have a backup when you're about to get under pressure exactly exactly so I don't know whether to give Ross Common credit I think Anthony Cunningham deserves credit because the two months he's there is still a very short amount of time because in that two months you're trying to get those physical levels up so you don't have much time on the, on the field you might just have a Saturday you know, yeah. and you're trying to work on that game plan which is new to them. So Anthony Cunningham absolutely gets a lot of credit. Clare to beat Cork lads, they're ten to eleven, almost even money. So Clare have had a very good start to the league. Gave Donegal a right scare at home. We know Cusick Park isn't a good place to go, um, and they drew with Armagh. Now um, we know that they got a one-one late against Armagh, which was a surprising one. We'll talk about Armagh in a second. I think Cork are in disarray. I don't think they're a good team at all. Um, I don't know. Don't know if whether they're coming or going. They're a great price cleared home to Cork. Armagh to beat Mead at six to four. Armagh are a fantastic price. I'm not sold on Mead yet. Yes, they did well against Donegal. I don't care against Tipperary. A depleted Tipperary, they struggled at home or they weren't overly impressive. I think Armagh are. To- I'm on the Armagh bandwagon, Stevie. I think they're a fantastic, fantastic team. <laughs> Took me two years to get you. Yeah, no. <laughs> this Rian O'Neill, I'm a huge fan of his now. Super huge player, fan of player. his. He's got a bit of cutting to him. He's got top, top, top class off both feet, and he's a bit of a he's a bit of bite to him. I really, he's I really a like him. Man too. Big, he's a big, big man. man. Nineteen and years old, and he's not a. Fr- he, he's a confident yeah. young fella. Like he's a really good. Yeah, well, Oshin's his uncle so. Oshin yeah well that's true he didn't lick it up off the ground but him at cen- is centre half forward he was play full him. forward full forward but the sh- where, where, I would say Mernon when be Mernon back. comes back into the set up he'll he be will centre. be centre half yeah. and Stevie and so it'll be full so forward so you you've got Rory Grugan there to maybe go to the mm-hmm. wing as well then you know it's so you've Grugan and Grugan, Rian and Neil the half forward line then you've got Jamie Clark, you've got Mernon and you've Stephen got Campbell. Stephen Campbell Charlotte Burns you come in there Charlotte Burns young lad is he a good player superb player and would he would he make it as a wing forward then you have another or do, you, yeah. do you need a really working no, no. wing forward well, in there well, to balance yeah, it out? I have a working wing forward in, in Ram McShane and Jamar Hall, two fantastic young players who they're like live wires, they're all over the pitch, so they are. So there's options there for a working wing half forward as well. Okay. Because um, you need that because that's nearly like the Kerry conundrum. You've got five class forwards there that might not want that, you know, that kind yeah, of work rate yeah. that you need. So Armagh have that problem almost now because that's a brilliant, brilliant forward line that and, we're listening to. And the out other there. problem, we'll come to Armagh, you did say we're going to talk about it, but. No, I'll we'll talk about them now because I've. I've said they're six well, to four. Ashin O'Neill is yet to come back in as but well. Is he as good R- as Rian? Rian impresses me more than him. Ashin has a great. Ab- I would actually put Ashin in the midfield personally. So what he's a With massive Grimley. man as well. Alongside Grimley, he's got a brilliant ability to kick points from fifty yards. Unbelievable. Probably one of the best in the county. And he's he's well able to pass the ball effectively as well. And right. Good long range kick pass. And com- obviously coming from Cross McGlen, they're well able to do that. But. Um, yeah, um, from midfield up, Armagh have an abundance of talent. You know, it's it's tightening up at the back, and and they've got good players at the back. But it's tightening up that is probably the problem. And and they have played with jitters there in the last couple of weeks, which you know they let a five point and a four point lead slip. So, you know, it's there, there's a lot of young players. You know, yes, you've got Jamie Clark and Stephen Campbell is back in now. Um, good experienced players. Brendy Donahue wasn't playing last week, but Aidan Forkers at at the heart of the defence. Good experience there as well, but a lot of the players are young, particularly Morgan and James Morgan's James back. Morgan's He's a brilliant man, well, marker. Full, full back. Um, <clears throat> but do they have the marking defenders? Because if you're listing off this forward line, none yeah. of them are going to drop back to help. You know, Grimley and Ushin O'Neill might not even want. They're all attack-minded players. So if you're not yeah. dropping a lad back to help these lads out, can they defend in one-on-one See, situations? That's that's what they have to get right. 
yeah. there is there is quality defenders there whether they're well capable on a one-to-one situation to mark the best forwards in the country um, you know we have to wait and see for that to happen but we, were, we were talking about uh, coaching defenders to actually defend on Monday show mm-hmm. and like I mean who were the most difficult defenders you had and what were the qualities they had so say like back in your day yeah. you were marking one lad yeah. right so some de- some defenders like to get out in front of you yeah. I didn't like marking them like Joe Higgins John Kane <coughs> these fellas so other lads would let you get the ball but they're really hard to go around now yeah. I like marking them because I'd back myself to go around them mm-hmm. do you know what I mean but it's different tactics so like if you're uh, on a team and you're saying right we're dropping nobody back here but I want to coach my full back line to be better defenders what kind of qualities do you think are important to, to give them now I, yeah. would, I potentially but go on believe, believe it or not I was happy enough for a man to mark in front of me so it was even if he was fast mark in front of me because you know you could jink one way and turn him and go the other way and, and receive a ball in the space that that way That's, I, I get that now I didn't like that but in the modern game your half forward line is not is way away yeah. so it's harder to exactly. the mark from the front I find now in the modern game because there's so much space that's the best defending for me yeah. well it, it possibly is and I, I encourage you know as a coach I encourage my, my defenders to certainly mark from the front as well because I think what you're doing by by marking in the front, you're cutting down, I suppose, the area for a player out the field to kick the ball into. So you are you're you're making him think twice about that delivery. Oh yeah, in. when they look up, nothing's exactly. on. Yeah, you're you asked me the question: the most difficult defenders that I I would have played against. You know, um, Kevin McGuckin was a fantastic defender. Mm-hmm. Sean Marty Lockhart, two players from Derry were extremely brilliant defenders Michael McCarthy was a brilliant defender the three of them were amongst my most difficult opponents simply because who's Michael McCarthy? Mike McCarthy from Kerry, Kerry. oh Mike McCarthy yeah. right sorry yeah, um, three of them were brilliant defenders simply because they marked side by side but they had pace yeah. You know, so I couldn't. I could only really go one way when they're marking side by side. I couldn't go against them. You know what I mean? Did you, did you have any lads that were particularly good? Did you ever mark your man Lynch, Anthony Lynch from Cork? He's Absolutely, a sticky yeah. fan. Yeah. Did you ever mark any of them that their timing is so good? That when you take your four steps and you go to solo, that that's when they get yeah. in. I think you can coach defenders to to time their tackles much better. I'll can tell you, you who was a brilliant man at that uh, was Andy McNally, and. Uh, Realised that you know when he was at the peak of his powers in terms of of man marking and and knew how to be filthy with with a, with a player as well and you probably come up against him, but he was brilliant at timing. You timing. know, the, the, yeah. You know when yeah. when a forward was about to take his toe tap or, or his bounce, he was getting the hand in a wee flick in and out, and he was just annoying the f- uh, forwards constantly. But he, his timing was brilliant. So it was you. You watch defenders and the forward gets the ball and they're doing these little slaps and all, wasting your energy because you there's no forward at intercounty level will allow you really slap that out mm-hmm. of their hand. The opportunity is when they play it. And I don't think that's coach enough. See, I don't, because there's so many men back, that actual art of being one-on-one, it's never one-on-one there. So actual art of coaching forwards. And I think a lot of this is to do with your footwork. And I was interested to see Johnny Cooper talk about his footwork recently, last year, that if your footwork is good, and you can read which way they're turning. You're hitting them on that solo or yeah. hop. Yeah. Do you know? And that's good defending to me. Or else it's pushing their... Like, just stand them up. Yeah. And then from a standing position, it's now obviously if you've got strength, you have a huge advantage on standing them up. Whereas I think the carry backs find it stru- will really struggle to stand Mannion, you know, Mannion up, for yeah. example. 
but I think that there, but there's so many different ways back in the day where you like what did how did defenders get coached to be good back in the day they, by, by little things yeah. like this well, well, whereas you, now that's gone from the game no, and it's all strength in, num- strength in numbers you you speak about um, speed work and footwork there and you know three players I named Sean Marty Lockhart in particular was very 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 fast um, with his feet very swift at turning either way left or right so I knew as a player you know I was going to find it extremely difficult to take him on if I won a ball but he was, he was another player brilliant at flicking the ball away getting his timing right and, and that's something that as an individual and as a defender I'm sure that he worked extremely hard on because he knew that was one of his key skills and key attributes and Another thing I always remember being told I played corner back for a little while and I can't remember who exactly told me that when you're when a fella has you st- stood up don't look at the ball look at his feet. feet yeah. So like I mean they can do all sorts of tricks with the ball and that's what a dummy solo is but you watch his feet he can't mm. really trick you with his feet. He can trick you with his body. So, like, I mean, it, uh, you, you obviously need to look into it that much. I didn't spend too much time at cornerback, yeah. but I remember doing it, thinking that you don't get caught out with dummies or shimmies or anything if you actually just concentrate on the, on the player's feet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's interesting. It is interesting, but that's coaching. Like, I mean, and I'm sure there's better cornerbacks than me talking, you know, to be yeah. able to coach. <clears throat> but this is the point I'm making, that that's good coaching and good defending. And that's gone from the game now because now it's double up. Yeah, and but what you, have you got? You, you're double up every is the player, easiest thing. Every player has the ability not only to look at the feet but to look and see where the ball is. The ball is mid-rift. But you know they can I mean? fool so you with the ball. Though. They can, go they can fool you with the ball but you can see both at the same time. So you can. You can see, you know, you're not just looking yeah. straightly, directly at, at the ground. You can see both at the same yeah. time. As where if you're looking at the ball and the, and the head, you're seeing both at the same time. So definitely, you know, one key thing for me would be you know, to encourage defenders to, to defend properly and defend better is to look at, you know, the lower half of the body, yeah. the forward's body. Lower the half like of the, the body. drill used to be that sort of little gauntlet where the forward's running up and then the backs were taken away and they were told, come back one, two, three and bang, go forward on the fourth. Like that's when you push up because you know he's going to take a tackle. Now that's where the ref needs to be strong with the, the four steps. But but now all the drills are just zones. Like you stand there, you stand there. And yeah. now the more sophisticated version of it is, is like, no, let's not stand in a line in a zone. Like, let's be stagnant because you're expecting someone to be beaten that's the thing <laughs> so now there's no real coaching for defenders to defend now now it's double up so you don't need you just yeah. make, don't stick the hand in the usual don't foul so the coaching now and the systems are how are really the men that you get back and how you get back up the field so this is why I say this is so easy you've, you've cut down loads of your actual coaching you know what I mean you don't need yeah. a defence coach because that's try being a coach and then you don't think it's just as easy as that <laughs> ok my, la- my last one then is Offaly to beat Loud at 4-6 to six at home so Offaly have been f- performing uh, well they've drew it's very difficult to draw with Longford away and they were unlucky against Westmead who are going pretty well at home I think home advantage will beat, la- will beat Loud I think Leisha was reading some uh, comments from John Sugru and Leisha's intensity was all over the place they got hit for- with three goals in 10 minutes pretty much get and a red card pretty much game over I don't think that means louder anywhere near back I think Offaly are a great price at 4-6 to six at home so there you are that's my accumulator it's Dublin to beat Kerry it's Tyrone to beat Roscommon it is Clare to beat Cork it's Armagh to beat Mead and it's Offaly to beat Loud so 
There you go. That's it. We'll go next, Conor. Now we, we don't, we're not going to have time to discuss loads <laughs> of them, but give us yours and your reasons why. Um, so I've got four teams and it's 2061 because I've thrown a fancy little draw in there. Conan, see, Conan doesn't Loves understand betting. No, Loves it's, it's against draw. any rules of betting that you don't put a draw in an accumulator. It's too Un- risky. Unless, <laughs> unless it's Armand Meath, of course, guaranteed a draw. When is Conan going to learn this? Three years I'm telling him this now. I got a text message at the weekend that was like four draws this weekend. A wet dream for you here. And I was like, jeez, there were four draws and two of them we got as well I think yeah. yeah. but like we said enough draws last week so. well I was throwing loads of draws <laughs> in the mix last week but like the one of the, the draw thrown in here is for mana at home to kill there and they've drawn twice already they're the draw kings um, I think like like yeah we're always criticising like for mana and like Rory Gallagher and the way they're setting up and they could be so much more but you look at the team that they're feeling like there's some amazing players like even Connell Jones from Derry Gonnelly coming in and he's completely like sort of a real classy player they still have Aiden Breen they're still playing Sean Quigley Kieran Corrigan so they have these players that are still good footballers almost like Tyrone it's just about using them better but so I still think like we probably underrate them a little bit they're a decent yeah. team at home to a, a, a very very understrength Kildare team yeah. to have a chance of a draw right yeah yeah so I'm going to go them draw uh, Dublin I'm going to throw in there I would actually go minus two as well for, I didn't really? put that in my accumulator but okay. like, that'll bring you up that. that'll bring your 26 up up yeah, a little bit more to go, maybe. <laughs> go on uh, Donegal away to tip um, Ryan McHugh and Owen Van Gallagher finished now with Ulster after the Sigurdsson Cup loss last night so they'll be who beat, who beat Jordan's hand? Um, put me on the spot NUIG alright okay yeah. very good they're such underachievers every oh, year that crowd they're yeah. wasters yeah. however it is Paddy, Paddy Durkin was with them as well was he? Um, he wasn't Paddy playing, Durkin is with, right, with yeah. him yeah but um, oh, like some team like you just look through it Paddy every Durkin was year every, yeah. it's years since they've won it I think it's uh, oh, 02 or oh, what it's, it's it's way back since Th- they've they won, won it they won in 2008 if right. I can so remember right that long. Yeah, but like that's a long time for it yeah go on uh, Leitrim because <laughs> Leitrim, Leitrim are the bankers like, yeah, and oh, that's it that's the four teams Leitrim, Donegal and Dublin to win for Mana to draw OK great stuff Stevie what are you looking at here I've, I've changed my mind on one of them there Ooh, <laughs> who, did, who changed your mind I, I, no nobody none, we actually haven't discussed them I, I, I was going to go for Galway against Mana and away to Mana but I've changed my mind I think Mana at home are very difficult to play against so uh, rub that one out um, so I, you're going with four teams I'm going with five. five I'm going with five okay. I've, I've met a replacement okay. so I'm going with five um, and it's approximately 13, 14 to one I'd say uh, so my first one is Mayo at home to Cavan okay. you know, um, I think that one's obvious Saturday night good atmosphere now, I'm actually part. remembering two years ago when Cavan were in Division 1 they won no other game I think they drew a game but they beat Mayo and <laughs> McLeod right, yeah. do you remember they hit them on the counter attack <laughs> yeah. flat out but anyways I'm not yeah. go- I don't want to yeah. kind of mess up your not, not on their Jim's horn though <laughs> no that's true um, so Mayo is the first team um, I'm going to back up one of your bets Clare at home to uh, Cork yeah. <clears throat> you know Cork the most frustrating team in the country you don't know what you're going to get with them from one week to the next and Clare you know what I would have been more impressed with Clare running Donegal close two weeks ago than what it would have been last week uh, drawing with Armagh so I think for that reason I, I certainly think that they're very close to getting a win How did Armagh make a balls at the sideline that went straight in for the goal? He so Tuberty kicked the sideline. They were four down, and then he kicked another sideline and went straight into the goal. It was Listen, down as an OG without, without getting into it too much. You know, video evidence I think suggests that it was very close. Uh, don't the, actually the video footage that Armagh have don't believe that the ball crossed the line. So, but it, it, an Should Armagh it go through the goalie's hands. No, I think I don't think it was the goalkeeper. I think it was the player standing in front of the goalkeeper who went to catch it, slipped through. It was a bad, bad, slippery conditions, bad day, and hit the post, but. 
whether it went in or not. And then the goalie tried to rescue. Goal, goalkeeper got it, and he was coming out. But goalkeeper was in a very advanced position, so I don't know how there was players and bodies in around there. Whether it was a goal or not, listen, it counted. And but it was a good, dangerous ball in by Tuberty, an excellent ball, in, and he tried to do the same. Uh, a minute beforehand from the exact same position but and only the ball over. went straight over the bar right. so, did. so um, you know once you've you're three points down you put a dangerous ball like that into the square in the last minute you always have the opportunity to get the goal and it was a brilliant ball in so that's, okay. that's the way it is right, so Claire, Claire anyway to beat Cork um, uh, I'm going to go for an understrength Kildare team to beat for Mana away as you say I think for, for Kildare are still marginally better even understrength than what for Mana are um, Donegal away to Tipperary uh, I still believe that Donegal What price is that? So I looked at it it's not a great price I, d- I didn't actually see I can't, I can't remember the price of it but um, 10 to 11 maybe would it be? Oh no it's no, way they're strong, strong I think it's 4 to 11 or something Oh is it? Yeah, right okay So um, Donegal for me are still the best team in Ulster um, even above Ty- Tyrone you know I think that they've got They're under strength now too yeah. though you know they, they've, they've got better quality Yeah they, they are under strength but they're still a class act. they're okay. still a class team um, My last choice is the late replacement for for the Galway one is Westmead the way to down on Saturday night Ooh, difficult place down um, definitely on a Saturday night generates a massive massive atmosphere I haven't played on it myself uh, many occasions but I just don't think that this down team are you know up to getting themselves out of Division 3 this year under Paddy Talley they'll play um, they'll, they'll frustrate the life out of Westmead but I think Westmead have, have decent forwards that could hurt that down the fence yeah Heslin Heslin is back as well yeah. he's back training this week so, so yeah, that, that's that, definitely that five teams so five teams is Mayo Kildare Clare Donegal and Westmead ok that's it so Westmead one is the, probably the they're mostly favourites and in Westmead I'm sure West, Westmead are almost uh, even or maybe slight outsiders or yeah, maybe, well, close probably, enough uh, yeah. 10 to 11 11 to 10 I'd imagine right listen lads we've gone over time it's been a long podcast today um, we'll be back on Monday with a full review of the weekend's action so we'll talk to you then good luck Yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f-ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we put them back in their f-ing houses for f-ing 10 years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.